I don't see the disadvantage in yeah. coming from that. Because I think when you can assess it as a disadvantage, like people, like I, I had a conversation with a guy who was talking about um, my experience, like but I lost my mom early, I don't know my father, different things that he said, just the environment itself that you'd be traumatized by, by what was going on. And then I'm, I looked at it and like, nah, that's just the way I grew up. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one mindset and health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you that come every week to listen, learn, and grow. Now today's guest, I am super, super excited about. His name is 50 Cent, born Curtis Jackson, is an award-winning rapper, entrepreneur, actor, and producer from Queens, New York. Recognized as one of the most talented and prolific music artists of his time, the Grammy Award winner rose to fame with his record-shattering debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying. And I've got something interesting to tell you guys about that and share with Curtis himself as well. And then Jackson leveraged his star power to cross over with unparalleled success as an entrepreneur, actor, and producer. From Get Rich or Die Trying being one of the fastest selling albums in history to creating one of the most influential deals in hip hop with the sale of vitamin water, Jackson continues to break records. He currently has the number one show on Stars Power in which he not only co-stars but also serves as executive producer and director. He's carved out a thriving television and film career as both a best in class producer and star. And today we're talking about his new book, which is here, Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. Welcome to the show, 50 Cent, Curtis hey, Jackson. Thanks hey, for having me, man. Uh, you make me look, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to come behind that? <laughs> well, I want to be honest with you, because not many people know this about me because of the work I do today, but I want to share two things with you before we start. So, Get Rich or Die Trying, I listened to it every single day. I was around 14 years old when it came out. <laughs> I used to be a paper boy. I would go deliver papers. I'd put my headphones on and I would listen to your music every single day. I had your poster up on my wall. I had lyrics of yours up on my wall. And guess what? <laughs> this is the best part. This is the best part. My wife used to have your calendar on her wall. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm coming out with all the confessions now. I'm coming out with all the confessions. <laughs> But seriously, man, like sitting down with you, I was I was excited to meet you, and I know we can't right now, but yeah, I you were a big part of my teenage life, man. So I just want to say th thank you for everything you've created. I appreciate, I appreciate it. that, man. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know what's, what's interesting? I always say this, right? I said my audience. I, I said like, let's say your core audience was in college at the point of your release, right? Because at that point, they're experiencing adulthood at that point. And because they have the freedom to make decisions on their own, they party in every available moment possible at that point. And because they out, whoever's hot, like musically at that point, becomes a part of that experience for them. Because it's what's playing and music marks time. So if if you, uh, I would say if, if a song came on and it was, based on your relationship. Like you was like, this is our song. The thing that would yeah. tell, take you back to those fields. 21 so, questions. You know, so <laughs> different joints that, that matched up with different things. And I, I would look and go, okay, my audience, that audience now is, is grown and committed mm. at, at this point. Those, those, those people that you impacted the hardest at that point, they 
are now uh, committed by having children. If not, uh, if not by choice, they're committed by circumstance. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a a, a whole thing where I, I feel like they, they're not partying as often as they partied at that point. Like you, <laughs> certain things you grow out of that. Like you're not going, I'm not going to nightclub every night. But the but they will tune in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because they, yeah, because they occupy themselves, they schedule their life. So they go to work Monday through Friday, Saturday, relax, Sunday. It's a good time for television. Yeah, you know, for sure. For good entertainment in the house. And this is why I started to go towards the film and television direction. Because I feel like it's not even a new audience. I feel like it's my core audience, again, that yeah. I'm actually servicing <laughs> with the, the entertainment. So telling stories that was like power was... A story, Courtney developed uh, the ghost character based on things her father had said to her, things that um, her perception of who I am with the new information, because I was given that information from my past before any music took off. So it was more of the street element. She was saying, so, so you're this and that at the same time. And she created that flip-flop thing within Ghost's character. But they... they um, that whole project, it's like it, it was it's organic because it was me, me uh <clears throat> just being able to create what I wanted to mm. create. And because of that, I, I accepted I was only making seventeen thousand dollars per episode. Wow. The first, yeah, the first season of power I didn't get. I was like, I just want to do what I want to do. And Chris Albert, you know, he he understood, like he was like, like he is already rich, but why is he just taking this little, right? And I was like, no, I just wanted to get them pregnant with the idea. Yeah. And then once the, the it started to perform very well, and then Christian was like, yo, we got something here. Because it's, it's certain things, like, they always have things on schedule. And you could tell, like, even with the Hollywood, it's the business, the business entertainment, the business part is the part that is really important. And you can look and see what the major studios are anticipating being a success. Mm. Mm. So they, they have aid, they aid those things. They allocate expenses, marketing dollars, budgets for those things to be, this is supposed to be their summer blockbuster. This is supposed to be their mid-year. This is supposed to be... So I'm like, look, when I look at the charts like that, I'm like, yo, don't call me if it's not the, what you expect. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's yeah. not that. If, and there's a... It's certain things that you look at, like it gives you a whole different perspective on it when you see it from behind the scenes in the schedule and like a business versus looking at it like just entertainment. And then the my my whole just the as as it went, you know, of course, I got them, I did the overall deal with them, got 150 million dollars out of it. You know what I'm saying? So in that deal, so you look and you go, forget the initial money. You know that that first impact. I just want let let me do it the way I envision it. Yeah, and if it works. You can come. Like there's a place for for, for uh, bad music. It's television. It's because the last place they spend the money in the budget, and the music supervisor, the the director, put together a dream sequence of music that he would want for his episode, and then the music director of bring a template of things that could go into those spaces because of how much those things cost. Yeah. And that's why you hear people, you'll be watching a big 
a big production and something will come on and you'd be like, yo, who is that? <laughs> I have no idea who that is. So. <laughs> but you've been playing the long game, right? Like you, you're playing yeah. the long game. Like you're looking at creativity of what you want to create, what you're passionate about. Tell me how it felt because you were in Hollywood where I am now. You were here recently because you were getting your star yeah, on the star. name. How, what did that feel like, that moment of having Eminem there? I, again, I'm a huge fan of Eminem. What was that feeling like of getting that star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for being recognized for what you believed in and what you invested in? Yeah, I, I um, if you were, like, the whole time, the people around me was like, oh, you're ready to star? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, like it, did, it was like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it, it didn't really get exciting to me until that morning because everybody was there. Like, everybody's like, I got Dre there, M there. The, even the, the guys from behind the scenes, Steve Berman and Paul Rosenberg, all those extra people is there. And I'm like, yo, oh, so everybody is here. And then it got exciting. I, Mary had texted me, right? And I, I texted Mary replied. I'm like, yo, I'm nervous. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I'm nervous, but I feel like I'm nervous. She's like, oh, yo, Dad, you got that. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but I didn't I didn't write nothing. Yeah. Down like to, for, for what I would say. And I'm like, that that it was it, it was exciting for me, man. Because it, it's not the, the people that are are important or just no matter how much they're involved in your journey, that when they're around that points and it's not a negative perspective, mm-hmm. they develop value. See, like you look and you go, in in M's case, like our relationship is one of those relationships that it'll never go away. Like I place him where I placed my grandmother. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's people that took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. He provided opportunity for me that allowed me to to take off in the way that I, I why would I need anything else after that? Yeah, now, no, for sure, man. It's exactly the opposite for so many other people, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because everybody else, you'll give them the opportunity, they'll look at you like, yo. Like, yeah. Give me more. <laughs> everything else. And I'm like, yo. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't understand that part. Like, it's like, there's a, it's really interesting, man, because me, me and him, that will never have a problem. I don't care what he said. Like, sometimes my grandmother would do stuff, and I, I look at my aunts because she said she's not speaking to her, and I'm like, she's not going to, like, come to you and talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, mom just doesn't care. Like, her life's not going to change if yeah. you're not speaking to her. Yeah. You know, so it's, with him, I place him in that that space too, where like I'll always reach out and say, what's up? And then the, the cool part is he's so humble that there's almost a point where like every time I was on a record that had anything to do with Shady Records, I would get a call and he would ask me, could you do me a favor and do this? And I'm like, Em, I'm on your label. <laughs> Yes, I can do that. <laughs> I'll do that. Like, you know, he, he always just, like approached it in a way that I never could attach him to anything that I was going through that was, uh, that felt like it was a bump in the road. Yeah, I love I hearing always, it. Oh, sorry, go on, go on, go on. I would always go through those experiences and then look at him and go, he don't know what I just felt when that happened. You know what I'm saying? So it just was, even when I had discrepancies with, with pe- the label, with people involved, the Interscope, different things, I could only I try to explain it to him and look, and he go, and I know he didn't know, you know, because his career is so different from everybody else's that it's like, nah, it was like you being around 
you can compare him to Michael Jackson. You Please. know, uh, how you see things that were so, like, uh, it was, you know, like M's, M's thing is completely different from everything else. And then uh, with Dre, like Dre being there, it was, it was, it was cool, man. Like, I, I, um, I still don't think, like in that period, it was, it was a point where even before that, like the music business in general, prior to that would be, who made the hit? Okay, get me the guys that made the hit. I'm gonna make a hit. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Cause yeah. what happens is, you, because <laughs> like when, the way Quincy and them would do it was they'll go, get me that that bass player that was there and get me the, uh, that guy that, that, that plays the, uh, the keys, the best guy that's on the keys and get me these guys in there and it's, and it's gonna be like a jam session. Yeah. Until they kind of find something that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. And the, it, it evolved from that to who produced that record? Mm. Okay, give me, give me that kid that did that record because probably he probably only made one record. Yeah. But that sound like you like yo, give me that kid, bring him here, put him in a room with these seasoned producers, and let's see what comes out of it because he's gonna have ideas and things in his head that he's able to get out. Yeah, it went from it went from people owning the space to discovery, right. right? It went from like people like basically owning the space to people being like, oh, I want to discover the new talent. I want to discover the new musicians. And artists. Bring that new thing, yeah. And then yeah. now you look, and because you could produce records on so many different formats now, like different things, like they could sample and chop it up and do different things to it. The um, they don't actually work the same way. Yeah. You know, what I mean? so it's like when they get in there with the guys that really been producing these records for so long. It's like, look, Scott Scorch, he played keys on. Uh, yeah. On uh, in the club on Candy Shop. Candy Shop, Candy Shop, yeah. Just a little bit, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit, yeah. Hit records, and then he he had a really interesting career too, Scott Scorch. Right? Yeah, yeah, he had a bit of time. He didn't want to do it big. He wanted to be the biggest. <laughs> he spent a lot of money, man. He ran out. I, yo, I seen him one time, and I didn't. I really was looking at him, going, "Yo." We went to a recording studio one night. He had a, he had a Bugatti. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff outside. I'm looking. He, he was, uh, I think, he was dating Paris Hilton at that time. Mm. Wow, man, I was like, "Yo, Scott is out of control." Yeah, but hearing hearing about you and Eminem, like that that relationship and that connection, the way you explain it, I mean, it's so great as a as a fan to see that and hear that still. Yeah, because it was such a formative partnership then, and I love what you said with the comparison you gave to your grandma, because your book obviously you dedicate yeah. to, to your mother yeah. and you and your nana. And so I wanted to ask you, like, what is it? What you you dedicated to them specifically? And you talked about how even they're not here in their physical forms, but their love, support, and guidance continue to inspire you every day. What was the quality or the essence of what they gave you? Like, what was it that you feel is still living within you today that was so important from them? Well, I think the, the most, the biggest thing that they offered me was love. My grandma, like, she, she's the love of my life. Like, <laughs> without any question, it was like the, the person that was uh, very consistent. Like they didn't have the same, like, you know, when you look at people later, they go, uh, well, well, after the fact, 
what was this person like? Like, what did this person want? And then sometimes they didn't want anything. And that's even worse. Because not wanting to go anywhere in life or not wanting to do things, you'll go, it's tragic when you run into that. Like, you run into a person who just doesn't want to commit to anything or to, to work on anything. So you go, me, all of those people, when you look at them, you say, what did they want from that? And they go, no, nah, these people, they just just wanted to love you. Mm-hmm. And those would be the people that, that you have, that you have extreme value for later when you, when you look at the whole overall situation. Because so much, like there's no such thing. When we pray for success, we don't pray for jealousy. Mm-hmm. We're not praying for envy. We're not praying for entitlement. And entitlement being the scariest part because it's growing as someone that you probably love or that you're cool with, right? Yeah. And you can't have success without those things. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a, a natural confusion built into things working. Yeah. yeah. And then now it changes how you interact with people, even on a personal level, because you're saying, um, who, who is she? What, what does she, unless she has things that prevent you from even having thoughts, like she has so much money that you're not thinking that she's, why would she be talking to me for money? She got all of this money anyway. All right. And then yeah. she doesn't have those things. Then that thing would block you from certain people. If you're watching them and you see the, the temperament in different ways that they have that interest in it, you look and you say, this is tradition, right? Tradition says a man is supposed to be a protective security and support for his family. So some females, they'll come in and after you're around for a while, they'll look and their expectations will be visible. And this is not because they actually just wanted something from you, but because instinctively they start to behave like they're with you because they've assessed it. And they're ahead of you in the relationship. So now their expectations are, are there because they're like, like we're gonna to be together. Yeah. The concept, and they'll start looking at you like they want those things. And then you'll look and go, okay, we're not gonna be together. Because you know, because <laughs> if you're now on the same page, you're gonna look at it and just register that she expects things from you. But and you, there's a it's it's a give it's a gift and a curse, and and you're pushing and pulling at the same time because you you it'll take time for those things to balance out because for you to not uh, be on the same page and, and those things to happen at the same time. Because mm. uh, emotionally, when, when there's references, a person have the ability to, to, to be with you without being with you. Mm. Like the person has the ability to be looking at your podcast and seeing your perspective on different things. And she, she could be there so often looking at your podcast that she's like, I know him, know him. Yeah. I know so much stuff about him. And then from as soon as she stops looking at the podcast, she's on your Instagram. So she's looking and she said, I, I know him like the back of my hand. Mm. And then because she's ahead of you in, uh, in the relationship, chances are you, you'll be doing everything in the snail space because you'll start to feel that energy. You feel like you, whoa, like, are you going too far? <laughs> When you talk about visiting your your old neighborhood, you say something really interesting. You say that I look at them like they're a version of me that hasn't actually blossomed yet. Yeah. Right. And, and when I when I hear that, 
it's it's quite an inspirational thing because you see the potential. What what are you seeing when you go back and you see people who are in that situation where you were given an opportunity and you didn't just take it, you made it, you know? Like, I think there's a big difference between taking an opportunity and taking it and then making it. And you, you did the second, like you went right. through them. Then, look, I, look, I don't see the disadvantage in yeah. coming from that. Because I think when you can assess it as a disadvantage, like people, like I, I had a conversation with a guy who was talking about um, my experience, like but I lost my mom early. I don't know my father. Different things that he said, just the environment itself that you would be traumatized by, by what was going on. And then I'm, I looked at it and like, nah, that's just the way I grew up. Mm. It was not an optional circumstance. This was, it was just what I was experiencing. And if you, because I didn't see not having it in the very beginning as a reason why you, I couldn't have it, mm. is what, allow, what allows those possibilities to be there. It's like even when I decided to, to write music, I was, I was writing music full time, like I was all the time since 1997, right? So the difference is there's guys that are better than me because it's easier for them. They're talented, like it's a gift. So they, they can rap like we can speak. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, while, while they can do that, you go, it proves hard work be talent when talent's not working. Mm. Right. And the 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 concept of once you fall in love with something, you passionately work on it, the discipline will allow you to become good enough. And this is fighters, all all the boxers, right? They fall in love early, they start to love, love the sport, started doing it for so long that you can actually become good enough to, to be the guy. Yeah. The, look, Floyd is a, a reflection of Floyd Mayweather Jr. is a reflection of Floyd Senior. Venus and Serena, a reflection of their dad. Uh, the Manics got two sons. All of them got NFL quarterback ranks. Uh, what Earnhardt, the race car drivers, they mad championship, mad wins with their actual car. You're getting comfortable being in the car at 150 miles an hour, 120 <laughs> miles an hour. Someone's driving you. All right, so there's a, I think there's something in, you having someone ahead of you. And even in, in my experience, though, I lost my mom at eight. Her decisions, I kind of caused her decisions because she started she started hustling when I came. Like at that point, teenage pregnancies wasn't as uh, common as it is now. So the programs that we have set up provide the teens the ability to work and take care of the actual kid. So at that point, you, you would only get a, a blue card, your working papers. and you'd be allowed to work during summer months. There was no, no other program for you to work. Yeah, so no support. <clears throat> yeah, your option was actually child support or you could hustle and get what you can get out of the street. And then uh, the upside was so much higher from street life at that point that she chose that. And then when she dies and I go into my grandmother's house and everything changes a little bit, I swear the only thing that I saw the only references to success or financial freedom was people from my mom's life. Because I, I had four aunts, four uncles. I'm in the middle of that. This is what you got. My grandfather's income, he's so traditional that he just goes to work, come home, and gives my grandmother his check. The sacrifice is, he's so conditioned to sacrifice for us that 
Like this is why I have so much fun hanging out with him because he did everything for us. Yeah. When I said I'm going to my grandmother's house. It's because the house is not a home without her, but it's my grandfather's house. Mm. Like he paid for the house, you know. So I'm like, that's just the way it is. Like I, I go. That goes back to the tradition, traditional thing you were talking about earlier about yeah. being the support, security, and the protector for his family. But the um, just my journey period. I look and go when like through all the experiences. I, I look and go. There's no, there's no reason for you to not make it. Yeah, I love what you so, said. It's not a disadvantage. I, I love that because what you're saying is. It's not like I chose this life. It's, this was the life that was given to me. Right. Look, look, it's unfortunate, the circumstances. Some people, they, you know, they're born with a silver spoon and everything's like, you look, it's already there for them to do it. And even then, they don't have this, this weird, how do you define whether this person is resilient? Mm. They haven't had the experience. So this is the person that, that the stock market crash and they jump off the side of the building because they can't even figure out how to function without the money that they always had. You know what I'm saying? Like if they're going, they're not. And then it's tragic, a terrible moment at that point, And it's going to be good again. When things turn around, he's flat as a pancake on the sidewalk and things turned around. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 even, the shares and the stocks and stuff that he actually had could just come back after he jumped because the idea of of uh, not having it when you've had it the whole time is too much. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. You look and you say, if if anyone's career is long enough, they're gonna have some some peaks and some valleys, some 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 high points, some low points, and not necessarily through sales or through through ratings or through anything. It's just how you feel in general, like. Artists can use uh, painful moments to, to compel them to uh, a, a place that is uh, it's the, the, the most uh, attractive position for them. Like whether it's my, me being shot nine times or, or Kanye's car crash or, or the relationship that didn't work for the R&B artists and stuff like that, those things, got them to a point where they could make something that was kind of special at that point. They was feeling something. Yeah, well said. Yeah. yeah. And I think those, those painful moments make good for artists. Like there's just something about it that brings something out of them. And um, there's just in, 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 in general, I think all of those situations build character. Like, you know, yeah. it changes, you know, who you are a little bit. And then when you're in, life-threatening situations, you'll find your higher power. Yeah, it's always in, it's in our pain that we find our potential, right? It's like when yeah. we're going through that, going through the worst times, that's when you find what you're actually made of and what your truth is and what your power is. And you talk a lot in the book about constructing your crew. And, and one of the lines really hit me in this, where you said that, be extremely conscious of who you have around you, but this part, this second part, you go, betrayal is never as far away as you'd like yeah. to leave. And I was right. like, Whoa, that is, that's a powerful statement, right? Betrayal is never as far away as you'd like to believe. Really? I'm intrigued, like with someone like you, who's, you've, you've experienced betrayal, you've experienced snitches, you've experienced all of that in your life. 
Right. How do you filter? Like, what's your test of figuring out whether someone's real or not? And what kind of like levels do they take in your life? You can't. You got to just try and get a read on the person. Like anyone who's having successes will tell you that it's detrimental that they try and be a good judge of character. Mm. Like even if you leave in the responsibility of traditional business in someone's hand, you got to look and say, is this the right person for me to lead this mm. with? Because on 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 street levels where you would find that betrayal and these different things faster mm-hmm. is this what kind of person is this person is he a thief is he like you know if he's a robber he's a thief if he's a, i'd rather hang out with a liar you know like I'd, I'd rather be around a thief than a liar because then he's still in my reality like he's, he's going to lead me in directions and just that person that lies tells the police much and then come back and tell you another story. Mm. And then you, you come back and you got all kinds of things going on in your mind when they come in, when they come running through the door. There, there's a, there's so many, I had uh, an environment that I grew up in, they said, you know, you were strong as the tortoise, you were strong as the crew, you, you, you surrounded by people you surrounded. So you try to put together, uh, only deal with a certain kind of person, like keep your circle, you know, the right way. And then there's some truth to it. And I've even seen success without, with a more sophisticated uh, approach to developing the group. Mm. I get look, and this won't be in the book, but um, Jay, Jay-Z, right? At the point that um, my music comes cuts through and he'll say it, it came through like a hurricane, right? And he go, things, you gotta imagine being who he is going through that. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it shift, it's a shift for him because he's already been one of those guys that they would match up with and compare to Nas and Biggie and all of that. But when that t- momentum is there, he's saying 12 platinum albums now. My first album sold 13 million records. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So when that's happening, it's going, yo, he's like, he took the president position at Def Jam. Right? Now, while he's the president of Depp Jam, the artist there got to rely on, he, he's the guy for you. Now I got you, I'm gonna make sure everything's right for you, blah, blah, blah. And he really did a good job over there. Like he really was supportive of, of Kanye, even in the, when, when the comparisons between yeah. me and Kanye, when he was doing that. Yeah. yeah on, on his actual, uh, what was it? Um, he put out a, a it was like a, a documentary thing or a documentary he was talking about that you no know, in the book he talked about it being one of his wins against mm-hmm. and it was because he won uh between on the numbers Kanye West versus 50 Cent mm-hmm. and I'm going I thought it was me and Kanye. No it was me, Kanye and Jay Z <laughs> was in full support of it. Behind the scene. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it worked out. Now look you say in all those situations it 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 there would be reason for more disrespect when you see Kanye get upset with them and say things publicly mm. after you were that far and supportive. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But there's a, uh, it was, it's ill because the crew became Jay, Beyonce, Rihanna, Rihanna, yeah. Kanye, all of the Def Jam artists. The top Def Jam artists became the crew and that was that crew that worked. And it, that was 
I mean, I could have did that at Interscope Records or Atlantic Records. I just didn't think to do it. Mm. He's a smart guy, man. You got to look. When a person makes a decision, you look around because it's maneuvering. It's bigger than the business portion of it. Yeah. It's what positions him as a, a bigger talent mm. than the music itself because yeah. the music was going to one million people 12 times. Yeah. I started to be, you know, everyone yeah. at once. Like, That's really smart. Yeah, that, yeah, that innovative, innovative mindset and that strategic mindset, I mean, you have that strategic approach too. That's been a big part of your success is you're highly strategic. You really weigh up ventures. You don't just, you know, people, I think people sometimes think that some people are just obsessed with money, but you know, you, you don't, that's not the only thing you make your decisions by. One of the things that I think that I love that you said in this regard was you said, one of the secrets to getting what you want in life is creating the perception that you don't need a thing. Right. And, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's interesting because a lot of, and I love that. I love that thing because I think a lot of people think like, oh yeah, no, if I want this, I'm going to obsess over and this, and that's what people do with money. How have yeah. you been able to, yeah, what's that? Tell me about that mindset. Look at this. When you look at a big, everybody wants to do your favor when you don't need one. <laughs> you know, so in concept, if you come around in your presentation, if you keep yourself together, like, look, it's not how expensive the clothes were. It's how well kept. Did you iron it before you put it on? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, how well kept you are, and when you come when you come through, a person sees that, and we'd rather have that person next to us than someone who's just looked like a slob, like he just fell out of the bed, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. in concept, that's one of the steps we talk about in the book. The other thing when we say, uh, if you think about how your presentation first, you, you how you present yourself, two. The when you don't need it, even Bernie Madoff created the biggest Ponzi scheme ever, sixty-five billion dollars, and because people people would come to him and he would go, they ask for five million, they want to put five million in, and he goes, now my funds full, and they go back and they know someone else who's already in the fund that. It's saying they're receiving 40% returns on it, and this guy's a genius. And they're going, I gotta get it, I gotta get into this guy. You know someone can give me a call so I can get in? Yeah. I'll give, I'll give him 10 million. They give him more money because the, the, the private scheme doesn't work if he doesn't keep getting more money to pay people out there. <laughs> you know the money. So, so but, but in him not not saying I need it if you need it. If I told you, how could you get your hands on uh, $65 billion? It's developing that aura where he knows something we don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's that mystery. Yeah, and and going, you know, no, that's cool. Like, not being anxious about it. Like a guy, I've seen a guy come and, and, and say, yo, you know, um, yeah, you know, we're doing this thing. Oh, man, this is going to... Yeah. Look, because you knew, because you were you know, around, I'll let you come in to this to this point, but I'm not going to do anything more than that because uh, I'm keeping this... I'm taking this ride for myself. Like, I know what this is. Yeah, yeah. And, and they go, because... He said, I, don't, well, I really don't need money, but I'll let you put in this much if you want to. Yeah. 
And then the, all of a sudden, the guy's like, yeah. Hmm. It's even no problem when it feels like he's letting me in. Yeah, it's an opportunity. It feels like it's an opportunity for them now. Right. Instead yeah. of, it's reversing it. Like, everybody wants something. If they can, everybody will do you a favor if they can expect a bigger favor in return. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's a good point, man. We've got a few minutes left, man. So we're going to do what we call the final five. This is a rapid fire round. So answers have to be one word to one sentence maximum. That's it. Okay. Uh, this is you in lyrics, man. This is you in music. So it's easy for you. Uh-huh. So five questions left because I know we only got a few minutes left with you. So the first question of the final five is what's the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? In the last 12 months, um, stay in the house. <laughs> yeah. I learned to stay, just to stay in the house because the, as the, when, when first started talking about coronavirus, it was just something that someone can call for you. Yeah. And since then, it's evolved from that to it could be on something and, and you can catch it or you can, uh, now that animals, they, a tiger had it. And, and also, so, so it's uh, just, what's the name? The biggest lesson is just when, when you uh, respond right away. Yeah, respond right away, that's great. Yeah, that would have changed a lot for a lot of people. So I love that. Second question, what's something you know about business that others disagree with you on. So what's something that you're so sure about, you're confident, but then other people wouldn't necessarily agree with you on that? Well, um, <clears throat> I, I run on my own energy. And most people, are the, the, what I mean by that is, I believe if I, if I say, now nah, this works, I know the audience that it would go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this will, this, what they were saying, business is knowing the consumer. Mm. Right, know who's gonna actually consume it or purchase it, whatever. And I'll go, now nah, this is this is gonna work. I got this. Like and I already have my head set that it's gonna work. And I kind of project that energy yeah. onto the project until it actually do work. Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer, man. That's uh Steve Jobs used to have he used to talk about that and he called it reality distortion field. So he knew that if he believed something, he could bend reality. Like he just had that feeling and that- yeah, that he, he would no, make it. Because you look at it, when you believe, when, when I believe it, it's still, because like sometimes, even in the environment when we didn't have finances, I would still be someone that they follow. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're doing the wrong thing, I'm going to take them to do the wrong thing. And they're coming behind me to do it. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. like, when you're doing that, it's like anyone who's passionate when an idea could potentially find follow. Yeah. Whether the person is is just lost looking for someone to follow mm-hmm. or the person is a, a smarter guy deciding to go with your idea yeah. because the, your, your passion is there and he's looking to go no he did no information I didn't know so maybe he's right all the way and yeah. I don't want to not be a part of it yeah dope answer I love that question number three what's one thing in life that you used to chase when you were younger and now you're like I'm not I'm not chasing that anymore People don't realize how much women mean to the, the universally how we interact. Everything, even the the first time when I said how you start to pay attention to your clothes, mm. the kids when they start they want the Jordans or they need specific they need the Michael Mary Mary certain jeans or certain things that's happening and they want to be conscious and they want those things those. 
things relate to, to their identity and directly relate to how women perceive them. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> it's the beginning stages of why they started hustling, it's why they started into the field. And because of tradition, it says that the man is supposed to be support, security, and protector. So I think we're on two different waves. Like the women are already, when, when, when she's a, a baby, they, they offered her a baby, a dollhouse, a cooking set. It was teaching her nurturing, right? And the traditional role that women would play in the old days, right? Yep. So her interest would be in having a family, having a home, and, and raising kids at some point. This is why even if she's a career woman, she'll still have that want or that need to do some of those things. And then if you, if you said, why is the... Uh, the man thing is everything that they give us as a toy early on connects to finance. Mm. Well, there's cars or trucks or cars. Or this, it'll be the actual cars that are riding down the street. It'll be, uh, if it's a NASCAR, it means be a race car driver. If it's, mm. if it's a police car, it means be a police officer or a fireman, be a, you know, be a fireman or, or work at the head station. It's all, all things connected to finances and, and jobs on that front because the, the male, I think, is... Is, is kind of aimed at the financial world. Mm. It's, it's been that way forever. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, question number four. If you had to start all over again from ground zero, what's the first thing you would do? If you had to start from scratch, what's the first thing you'd do? From ground zero? Yeah, from start from scratch, like you had nothing again. Like, what, what would you do? What's the first thing if you, if you had to start all over again? What's the first thing you'd do now? Well, I, um, I've been trying to look for uh, the kind of person that I could uh, delegate my responsibilities to. <laughs> okay. Because, look, the creative side, like, I always say this, look, behind the scenes, I never said this in public, but behind the scenes, we would always say, like, I wish Tony Yayo was 50 Cent. Yeah. Because if, if Yayo was 50 Cent, I would have just, I would have handled the business. I would have just been doing that because he's the guy. And it would have easily been, it would have worked out easy, like that, <laughs> a lot easier than if it's, because I had to go do the music and then be that at the same you time. You had to be the artist and the business person. And, and that's, you know, but there's, there's truth in that, like what you said, because a lot of artists don't want to be the strategist, right. but sometimes then no one ever sees your art because you never got it out there, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's different things. Like you look at, at points, mistakes, I think like in, in, in the climate that we're in is different too, but like particularly the future, what's the one that the tape you put out with March Madness on it? Dirty Sprite, the Dirty Sprite tape. That shit was so good that the next tape that he put out kind of smothered it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if he needed when you make something that, that especially in these time to resonate, like they gotta really listen to this and go, yo, nah, this is because what they're gonna do when they want to get rid of you is they're gonna compare you to yourself. Mm. They say, nah, it's cool. The new stuff is cool, but it ain't like his first joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone always compares. You know yeah, for sure, man. Fifth and final question. Last question I'm going to ask you. These have been great answers, by the way. Fifth and final one, because of the book name. Hustle harder, hustle smarter means what? What does that mean to you? Because I know it means something specific to you. 
And this book is like, once you deem yourself a hustler, right? Then that means this is the way you function. This is your lifestyle. This is not to achieve a specific amount of money or, or get to a certain level and then just stop. Like, I'm never going to stop. Like, I always said I'm running through an endless tunnel. Like, it's like anybody that lives within the entrepreneurial spirit understands it because there'll always be a new idea. There may be less physical involvement because you're not running around doing the things that you would be doing, and, you know, because you're getting older and stuff like that. But the money will be running around doing it without you. You know what I'm saying? And you can be invested in new ideas and stuff like that. And it's just a part of, it's not even about more money. It's, when you look around, I already have the things I want. I have them right now. The choices when I, I had made in the very beginning were based on what the, my journey has been. I had a small space that I was staying in, it was about $800 a month. And I came back from the first tour with $38 million. So you go, the Mike Tyson's house, when I bought the house, you make that kind of money. If you don't figure out how to spend it, they're going to take it. You see what I'm saying? And at the time span, we got all the money here, and you go, well, should you buy it? Yeah, you should, yeah, you should buy it. It'd be good for you. Mm. You know, you, you buy the property and stuff like that. And then you go, place is 55,000 square feet. And then you go, that, walking from the, the, the left side of the house to the right side of the house, was like walking down the full New York City block. Do you understand? Like, so I was like, what? It's a party house. The only time you're using it to its full capabilities is when you're having a real party at a nightclub in the center of the I house. I remember the episode of Cribs, man. I remember it well. <laughs> 1,500 people. If you're not, if it's not that, there's no possible way for you to utilize that space the right way. And then things were breaking because you didn't use it. Mm. So you go turn on the lights because you haven't been over there. The lights are flickering and you're going, yo, smile, smile over here and chase this. You know, and it doesn't, it's just a lifestyle choice and it comes from not having a space. You may look at these really nice estates and say, oh, wow, that's beautiful. Now, a person who's experienced it might say, nah, I want something really fly. I want the Jetsons, but I want three bedrooms. Yeah. Or four bedrooms. You know what I'm saying? Livable space. And they just know themselves enough to know that they won't utilize that stuff. Mm. Oh, but it's all lifestyle choices, you know. Yeah. It's cool. Awesome, man. Curtis Jackson, 50 Cent. Hustle harder, hustle smart. Everyone go grab a copy of the book. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, man. It was good to good to hang with you. And I hope when I come to New York, I can come meet you finally. Or when you're yeah, in the we got to kick it. We'll meet face to face when you come to New York. Yeah, I would love that, man. That would be awesome. I really appreciate it.